Good morning. How is everybody on this last day of 2023? Are we ready for 2024? All right. Don't have a lot in the way of announcements. Nothing's going on around here this <laughs> So if you're a visitor with us, make sure you take one of the visitor cards that are in the chairs and little pockets in front of you, fill one out, and then put it either in the offering plates or one of the boxes located at the back of the church. We would appreciate that. And I'm going to be sending around a clipboard um, for the children's ministry helpers. If you're interested in doing that, go ahead and just sign your name on one of the Sundays, the dates, and that would be, that would be great. Thank you. Okay, let's all stand, do the memory verse. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Luke 2.11. Father, we just uh, thank you for this great gift of your son, and Father, that he came and took the punishment for each of us and our sins. Lord, we just thank you for all of that. Uh, Father, we just pray that as we end this year and move into another new year, that you would just continue to guide and direct us and show us the directions. Uh, Lord, just lead us in our ministry to Riverton, Fremont County, and the state of Wyoming and beyond. Lord, we just uh, give you thanks for all you're doing and all you will do. In Christ's name, amen. So, some of you might be asking, what just happened? And I just want you to know that I am a terrible, terrible drummer. But all of us would be a terrible drummer if we're not listening to what we're playing to. And I, I want to give us the, the idea, or that was an example, this morning of what I think most of us do in life when it comes to playing in rhythm 
with our God. We like to do our own things. We like to do it our own way. We like to focus on our own little beats and not get in tune to the beautiful melody that God is playing for us and has prepared for us every year. And so I, I want to give us the premise this morning that we have the opportunity this year in 2024 as a people of Christ to get in line with the rhythm that he's playing so that we can play a brilliant melody instead of look really foolish like I just did. And that was pretty foolish, yes? That was pretty awful. It was cringy. It was supposed to be awkward. So if you felt awkward, that's great. Mission accomplished. If you're new here, my name is Shane Rossi, and I'm pastor here. What a privilege it is to serve the saints here in Riverton and Fremont County. And um, I want to give us the premise today that we have this opportunity to spend more time with God this year. We're going to look at three passages of Scripture to that end. And then tonight, today, at the end of this, we're going to talk about a method for us to encounter God in new rhythms for this year. So that's kind of a roadmap for this morning. Is that okay? Awesome. Well, let's, let's jump in to the first passage we're going to be looking at, which is 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8, 7 through 8 and 7 through 10. So if you got a Bible, go ahead and turn there. And I had asked, as you're turning there, I had asked a question. What do you foresee spending? So you have one year starting at midnight tonight. You've got a year that you get to figure out how you're going to expend the time that you have. And so with that, let's use these next three scriptures as a means for how we should spend this next year. 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8 says, if you read along with me, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself. Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness of, uh, is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This is an important passage for us as we consider how we spend our time this next year. And I want to submit to you that, that maybe we spend that time in this thing called training. And it's important for us to kind of think about what does it mean to train? So Paul here in this passage, encouraging Timothy, he begins to use the picture of an athlete training. How many of you spent time in the gym training as an athlete? Some of us. Um, and... When it comes time to training yourself in the gym, number one, it means you got to do what? You got to show up. You got to show up to the gym. You're not going to get ripped by not going or not doing anything or not walking or not running, right? You got to show up. So there's this idea as Paul starts to lay out, it, it requires this thing called intentionality. This year, I want to propose to you that we walk into this year not just kind of shooting from the hip, but what if we as believers planned on encountering Jesus and walking with our God all year? What would happen? 
What if we went in with this intentionality that we were going to show up for the body of Christ? We were going to show up for the activities of the kingdom progressing in this. But that requires for us then to be intentional in our training. It says, train yourself. By the way, I think many of us are kind of hoping that somebody's just going to pick us up as a project and train us and give us everything we need right when we need it. But I want you to see here that Paul is saying that training is on the responsibility of who? Yourself. Yourself, right? I was just thinking about myself at the gym, and I was thinking, you know, when sometimes when I go and I, I begin to lift hard weights, how cool would it be if some, you know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger type came into the gym and was like, I'm going to pick up this dumbbell for you and lift it, and then you will experience the benefits of having big muscles. And I think we would all love for that to happen in our walk, in our relationship with Christ, in our godliness. Man, it would be easier if somebody else could just do it for us. Wouldn't it be nicer if there was an elder that could just do that or that Bible teacher on YouTube? Wouldn't it be just nice if we could just pay pastor and he can do all of the spiritual lifting for us on Sundays? I'm here to tell you that you're going to be, in terms of the gym, a puny spiritual man. If you depend on me to do all of the lifting for you, or or your parents, if you're growing up in a house, I, so many times when you ask people, how's your relationship with God? They'll tell you, I grew up in a Christian home. You know what that tells me? You like your parents to do the lifting for your spirituality. So how many of you haven't taken under, under regard that, that training of yourself in godliness? The other thing I want you to see in this passage as we look at godliness, it doesn't mean being the smartest person and knowing systematic theology. It doesn't say that you have studied Wayne Grudem's systematic theology front to back, and now you know what some of the deepest theological terms out there are. What does it say? It says, godliness. And I want to propose to you that godliness is the marriage of knowledge in Christ and study in the Word, but also it means practice. I have some friends that go to the gym. I don't go as often as I should, but what they tell me is there's a certain techniques that you need to make sure you know, otherwise you're going to do what to yourself? You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt yourself. See, I think many, oftentimes many of us think that godliness just means knowing our Bible so well that we could recite the passage and, and we, can, we can illustrate the principle, but we don't really know how that connects to our life today. And, and I would say a lot of us, then some of us get so into, well, we want to practice goodness in what we think the Bible says, but we haven't picked up the Bible in a while, so we're not really sure what the Bible says, but we know what people say about the Bible, so we're probably going to practice that. And so what essentially happens is both of those parties end up pressing so far into either knowledge base or practice base that they walk away from the will of God and end up hurting themselves. Have you seen it? The religious types that know the Bible enough to beat you down with it, or the folks that, man, they have gotten so into social justice and the means of, of meeting uh, all kinds of needs across the world that they've walked away from the gospel. I've seen it time and time again, but godliness, training of godliness means the marriage of both of those things, of knowledge and, and application. We're going to talk about that um, coming forward. For a while, Bodily training is of some value. Can we get an amen to that? For those of you who have been to the gym, training your body doesn't last very long. It's really easy. It takes about one Christmas meal. 
and all of a sudden you're kind of rolling around and you can't get out of the couch. Maybe that's just me. It's of some value, but it doesn't last very long. But there is an investment this year that you and I can make. Jesus talks about it in terms of laying up for yourself treasures in heaven. There is an investment this year that you can make that's beyond money, that's beyond things, that's beyond the physical, that you can train yourself in such a way that is benefit in this life, but also in the life to come. Do you see that? I don't know about you, but I'd say that's a pretty good investment. Jesus talks about that's the kind of investment that moth or rust can't destroy, unlike those Christmas gifts or unlike those finances that you saw go away pretty quickly as the interest rate rose, right? As we, as we talk about money, finances can change all the time. But here, Paul is encouraging Timothy to invest in something that's eternal. What would you guys suppose is an internal investment? What would be eternal investments? This is the, the participation portion of your sermon today. What are, eternal par, what are eternal investments that we can make this year, both individually and as a church? Teaching our children, teaching them the way they should go, right? To teach them, to, to lead them to the cross and everything that we can. Teaching our children and our youth to say, this is the most important thing. Look, grades are okay, but your relationship with God is so much more important to me than anything else you will participate in. I would say that's an eternal investment, isn't it? Not kids, I want you to work so hard so you can get a 401k and so that you can have a really set retirement. That's not a bad thing, by the way. You can do that. That's all right to do that. But if that's your highest pursuit over eternal investment, let me caution you. You might get into retirement and you might be a little disappointed because it's not everything it promises to be. Can I get an amen? Is there anybody? I'm not in that stage, so I can't speak for you. But I've talked to many men who had, had given, been given the promise of if you just work hard enough and if you save up enough, retirement's just going to be amazing. And then they get there and they're like, it's not as amazing as it was I was promised. You do have a promise that our promise in heaven, when you set your mind on things above, it will satisfy and it will satisfy eternally. It will not dissipate. It will not, it will not become less over time. So, Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This is an amazing promise to us that there is this sense that we can be preparing for the life to come. I really need to make sure that I make this distinction, that, that we don't earn our salvation, okay? So what you do in the next year isn't going to make God love you more. He already loves you as much as his son Jesus, because if you've professed faith in Jesus Christ, you are now a son or a daughter. He cannot love you more, and he cannot love you less because of what you do, because you are now at the status of his son and daughter in God. That's the gospel. But there is a sense in Scripture that his sons and daughters, we can do stuff to train ourselves this next year to walk with God in rhythm with him. So we want to be people who have a rhythm of walking with intentionally, training ourselves for the next life. How many of you, that really hasn't been on your mind the last year? You're like, man, I need to lay off the sweets. And you think about that, but you're not thinking, I need to prep for an eternity with God. Anybody thinking in those lines? That's the most important gym time that you can spend. So we want to be preparing and training in godliness 
in the present life, so for the benefit of the present life and the life to come. I want to show you, uh, I'm going to bring up a web page here, your life in numbers. This is from a Huffington Post, if you see that. You know, the average human being lives to 79 years. That's 79 or 80 years. Anybody, like, that's kind of the average lifespan. And this article I thought was very interesting. It breaks it down into what you spend or where you spend your time in those 80 years. Brace yourself. This might be painful. You spend almost half of your life sleeping. Of those 80 years, you're going to spend over half of your life sleeping. And I'm going to pull it up here in a second, but you spend seven years of your life just trying to get to sleep. I, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? The other, the, highest, the other highest thing typically is work. Oh, here it is. In bed, you're in bed 33 years of those average 80 years of your life. So that gives you... And I'm not trying to give you anxiety here, but if I'm doing the math right, that gives you about 40 or 50 years, right? So you work about 13 years and two months of that proportioned time. 13 years. Um, 13 years is the average time spent. Um, where am I at here? This is probably one of the more painful things. I think this is probably an underestimation of this. But if you think of that 40 years on this planet that you have to work with that you're not sleeping or trying to get to sleep, you spend 11 years of that staring at a little box. Anybody go, that's cringy, isn't it? That's hard truth. That's a hard truth. Typical TV hours, again, this is just average. These are just average statistics. That's eight hours and four months of your life you're going to spend watching TV, social media. I think this is much bigger for some of the younger generations, um, but you spend three years, three years of your life staring at that little device in your pocket. I would say that that's probably more. And can I get an amen to this? You probably spend four years of your life and six months just eating. That's a little low. We're Baptists, so we know that that's probably a little low, right? We got holiday exercise. We, let's just you know narrow that down to zero for for me most of the time. Socializing, one year and three days. Here was an interesting thing. How many of you have so many of your memories geared in your times at school, primary and secondary school? Of those years, we only spend about 334 days in secondary and primary school. And what's left? Now here's what I want to discuss with you. A lot of times, that's how we position our life intentionally, right, is we, we work first, we got to get our sleep, we got to eat, we got to do these things, so then we then fill it with screen time, we fill it with family and social stuff, we stare at our screens. What's the last thing that we typically put into our calendars? Let's be honest, our relationship with God. This is an average, and it's not, this is an average of the average American life, and I think it's interesting that your walk with God, your time with his people is kind of just put into the what's left category. Do we give God the leftovers and expect that we're going to be training for eternity with him? 
Do we just give God the leftovers? No. We want to be people who train for an eternity that is far more important than just this life and just getting through. We're not going to do that unless we start to be intentional. Let's look at another passage, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So again, Paul's using this athletic example. So run that you may obtain it. I want you to think about that. What does that indicate to us? Again, Paul is trying to illustrate that this doesn't happen by accident. You need to have the goal of walking and thriving in Christ. It doesn't just accidentally happen if you just give him the leftovers after everything else has gotten its time. He says to run that you might obtain it. So there's an intentionality, brothers and sisters, that we got we to gotta run, we got to train, we got to look at how we walk with God in our day-to-day lives as if God really does matter. Every athlete, athlete exercises self-control in all things. Here's that nasty word. Anybody have a hard time with this word right here? We always call it the tyranny of the urgent. Anybody feel like you've got a tyrant in your life and he just, he or she or they make those demands of what your time is going to be? Maybe it's work. Maybe it is eating. Maybe it's that screen time. Anybody get that anxiety that you haven't seen the newest entertainment? That you don't know what's going on in the world of celebrities or, or what's going on in, at Capitol Hill. Do you get that anxiety that you're not focusing, that you don't know what's going on with that? There's a sense that the first place we go to is the foot of the throne of God. And it takes some self-control to go there, doesn't it? That means we have to say no to some of those other good things so that we can come to the feet of the one who can walk with us in this life. But it requires self-control. It means that we need to be good at saying no to good things so that we can say yes to God things. Everybody practice that word with me. Everybody say it. Ready? It's the N-O word. It says no. Now, some of you, I just gave you a license to say no, and you're going to use it for the wrong things. I know that there's that that clipboard going around for children's ministry, and you're going to be like, "Mm, nope, (laughs) that's not my gifting volunteering at church, and you're going to say yes to sitting in front of I used to do this uh, with college students all the time, and, and the words I always heard were, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. Anybody give that out there? Anybody kind of throw that word out there for why you can't um, walk with God in some kind of new kingdom-building venture? I'm busy. So I started using these calendars, and I take these calendars out. I say, hey, I want you to Show me your spare time. So let's go ahead and mark out. What do you count spare times? Time in front of the TV, time hanging out, time where you're bored, right? And I'd have them mark out the calendar. And and, uh, then I'd say, okay, now time that that absolutely is a non-negotiable. You have to do it. You have to work. You have to eat. you uh, You have to sleep, obviously. How do you calendar those things in? And we'd look at the calendars. And how do you think the calendars turned out? There would be big portions of free time. And I'd look at the student and I'd say, hmm, yeah, pretty busy, huh? Don't worry, I'd do this to myself and I'd go, oh, I'm just as bad as they are. 
But I wonder if we maybe walked in a little bit more self-control, if we walked in a little bit more intentionality and we worked our calendars more towards the kingdom building and time with God instead of time for ourselves and time um, of just kind of urgency and demanding, uh, meeting the demands of, uh, of the world, what would happen? He says here that they do it to receive a perishable wreath. So runners... Do it to receive a perishable wreath. That, that's kind of the glory of winning. Anybody like winning? I talked to a couple guys in Sunday school today, and they were like, I love the victory. And that's a high motivator for them to participate. Paul here says it should be even more of a motivation to participate because our wreath is imperishable. What we receive in Christ is so much higher of an investment, so much higher of a reward in God if we walk in Him. But it, it means that we need to practice self-control. But ours is a wreath that is imperishable. What you accomplish in Christ, we have this in John 15, 5. If we're in Him, if we're connected to the vine, we we can we sorry, we cannot accomplish anything apart from Christ, can we? In this life, it, nothing of eternal value will we accomplish. But when we accomplish it tied to the vine of Christ, then we see something imperishable happen. I want you to think about what are those imperishable things that we can invest in according to this scripture. Well, what did Paul spend his time doing? He leveraged everything for the gospel. He leveraged everything so people could hear and see Jesus he spent time with the church. In fact, he set aside that time and poured out in all of his work life. He was a tent maker, right? And so if he if he needed funds, if he needed to eat, you know, uh, uh, sometimes the churches would sponsor him. And if he didn't have that, he would, he would uh, make these tents so that the reason for the tent making was so that he could do what? Live for Christ. That made tent making the right place. How many of you use your time and work not just for your retirement, but so that you can continue on in kingdom ministry. What if that is the purpose for work? What if the purpose of work was to continue to expand the kingdom? What if that's why you went to work? Wouldn't you feel like there's a higher purpose? And by the way, every work. You can be a janitor scrubbing toilets to the glory of God, can't you? You can be vacuuming the wax from our Christmas Eve service to the glory of God. Right? You can, any, any type of work that you do, you can do it to the glory of God. One, if it supports your ministry in life, but also it can be a ministry in and of itself. But that's all investment into the imperishable. Your time matters. There is no wasted time in the kingdom of God unless it's not about God at all. There's no wasted time when you devote your time to Christ. When you devote your time to time in the Word, getting to know and listening to His voice. That's 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Um, oh, he continues on. Paul says, I do not box as one beating the air. Any, any of you professional boxers find yourself doing that? I do that in the shower all the time. I'm, I'm the most fighty. And, but I do not box as one beating the air. The picture there is what? That you do things that don't matter. The only time that you do things that don't matter is when you're doing them for your own glory or for yourself instead of doing them for the glory of the Lord and to, to walk with Him because that's how we produce eternal treasures in this life is it's about Christ. But here he says, Paul says, I discipline. 
everybody just go, oh, oh. Anybody love discipline? <laughs> I see a lot of honest people are like, no, discipline is terrible. And you guys, we got the passage in Scripture that says uh, that God disciplines those whom he loves. And we go, oh, thank you for loving me, God. But also there's a sense, Paul says, I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And so there is a sense where he has to say no to himself. I want you to think about in your own life, when's the last time you told yourself no? When's the last time you told yourself no? Because according to Paul, we should be telling ourselves no often. According to Galatians, that there's a whole part of us that's called the flesh. The Bible calls it the old man that leads us to sin and death. There is a part of you that desires sin and death. It's called your flesh, and you need to say no to that part of yourself this year. And if you don't ever say no to yourself, then you're just saying yes to sin and death. Think about that. So Paul says we need to be people who are disciplined, who say no, who keep our body under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Why would we want to discipline our lives to the pursuit of the gospel? Because that's how people will know that we function differently. Are our motivations different as Christians? Our purpose in life, are they different? As, is your purpose as a, as a human being to survive and to live? Or is it to glorify the Lord? Those are two very different pursuits, right? The world says, satisfy the flesh, pursue pleasure, do what makes you feel good, doesn't it? That's the call of the world, isn't it? But the call of Christ is to put your flesh to death, to pick up your cross and follow me, so that we might lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Uh, I found this little slide. I thought it was interesting. Um, I tell my kids that stupid sometimes is a bad word, but it's also in Scripture sometimes. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. You can say it this one time. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and, what does this say? Profitable. So let's talk about what are these things. What are these things that we do as rhythms that are profitable for not just this life, but for the life to come with Christ? There are certain things that are profitable to focus on. And when he says here, Paul is telling Timothy, what is profitable is Scripture. Is Scripture. This is the Word of God. We have access to the very voice of God. Do we let it speak into our lives? Do we let the voice of God tell us what we are going to be doing, what our priorities are going to be, what our view of the world is going to be, or do we let others define to us what our values are, what's important to us? In a sense, if we're listening to the Scriptures and to the Word of God, that should in and of itself kind of make us weird to the world, shouldn't it? How we treat our things. But it says, Scripture is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction. Okay, teaching, we want to be teaching. Again, we talk about training ourselves. There's a sense that we should be training or teaching ourselves through the Scriptures, teaching one another through the Scriptures, but also for reproof and correction. How many of you love it when somebody comes to you and corrects you when you're wrong? Anybody just fist bump every time that that happens? No, but there's this sense I think, by the way, this is what keeps most people from reading Scripture intentionally, intentionally and intensely, is because it reads you, doesn't it? And it calls you out, doesn't it? It calls your flesh out, 
and you're attached to that. And so there's this sense that we need to be, again, intentional in training. We need to lift the, the, the weights of God's word. We need to reflect on it. It has to correct us. If you agree with everything you read in Scripture, you're probably not reading Scripture, or you're not letting Scripture read you. Because if you're able to read the Bible and just go, mm-hmm, easy, yeah, I got that, no problem. That sounds great. I'm in. I just, I don't know if you're reading the scriptures. I read these things and sometimes I'm like weeping, like, oh, it knows me too well. God, don't call that out. I don't like to know that about myself. I really love to walk in ignorance, God. Don't show me how selfish I am. But man, I want God to address me on those things because there is an imperishable wreath laid up for me. If I let my coach show me how my form is off of the rhythms of his life, of life that he has for me. And for training in righteousness. Now, I've said this before. My favorite, uh, my favorite way to remember righteousness is rightness with God. Rightness with God. When you're walking in righteousness, you're walking in right relationship with God. And we don't have to be great human beings at relationships to know when a relationship is off, yeah? You can tell pretty quickly when somebody's being short with you. Anybody have that family tension over the holidays? Where you you like you kind of know that there's something between you and that family member, but you just kind of don't want to go there. You know something's off. Oh, is that just the, the Rossi family gatherings? Well, I think we can kind of tell when our relationship and our walk is off with God, can't we? We have that same sense when we're not walking, we're not training with the Lord, that the man of God may be complete. Man, it would be nice to be complete, wouldn't it? It just felt like, well, Paul says it this way, I've learned to be content in all things, whether to have a lot or whether to have a little. This year, if some big thing happens and it pulls the rug out from under you, are you still going to be able to be content? Paul says it's possible. Something goes wrong and your bank account gets drained or your car gets broken. Are you going to be okay? Paul says it's possible to be content and be complete. How? If we're walking in the rhythms of God's word. When those things happen, do you have the word of God pop into your head, into your heart? Oftentimes when those things have happened, I don't know if you've noticed, but like in my quiet times, I'm reading the word of God in the morning and then something happens later on that day. And it was like God saying, here's the right passage for the right time. I braced you for this. You ever have that happen? You can't do that if you're not in the word in the morning. He can't prepare you for what's coming in the day. By the way, he knows what's coming. You don't. What if you got to brief for the day, the coming day, with the one who knows what's going to happen, and he can prepare you with the truths that you need for that moment, but you're not going to have those truths in that moment if you didn't spend time at the feet of Christ and in his word, because we want to be complete and satisfied. That's where we will be complete and satisfied, equipped for every good work, every good work. How many of you know you've had those moments in your walk with God where you know God is asking you to do something and you don't want to do it? And so you come up with an excuse and you walk the other way. And then later on you were like, oh, I missed it. That's a walk with God. But here's the thing. When we connect with the word of God, a lot of times we're going to be, it's going to be easier for us to identify what those good works that God has prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. Let me see here. I want to bring us to the, uh, so then I want to just give you, I want to get really practical with us for a minute. Um, 
I think many of us over the last few years have realized the importance of washing our hands, yes? It keeps us from being sick. Well, I want to give you the, the premise, and you guys know I love acronyms because they help me remember things, um, but I want to give us the premise that maybe in order to see our relationship with God stay healthy and not get sick in our walk and relationship with God, we should wash our souls. So here's your acronym for the day. Soap. Soap up those souls with Scripture. With Scripture. And this is a rhythm of God. Do you have a rhythm of talking and listening to God? A rhythm of talking and listening to God. Something you do on a frequent basis. Maybe it's weekly. Maybe it's daily. Something you do to connect with the Word of God. Maybe it needs to start slow with you. That's okay if you're a slow reader. Read the Scriptures slow. Just do it slowly. There's not a rush. It makes me think of a team that disregards the voice of their coach and how disjointed or uncoordinated they are. It wouldn't be interesting if the, the church of God throughout the U.S., throughout the world, what if we were all people listening to just the voice of God? I think there'd be pretty incredible unity in that, wouldn't there? If we were people who rhythmically encountered the Word of God on purpose, I want to ask a question. I don't want to, I don't want to shame anybody, so don't raise your hand, but how many of you as believers have read the whole Bible? Don't show hands. Don't show hands. Is it? you know, rhetorical, think about it. Have you read the whole Bible? Have you read the whole Bible? If it's the word of God to us, wouldn't you want to sit down and make sure that you've heard all that he has to say about history and humanity and himself? Have you read the whole Bible? If you're here and you haven't, that's okay. Don't panic. Don't throw a chair at your pastor. Just get started. Just get started. There's a lot of great plans. Um, in fact, uh, uh, I was going to mention this. There's uh, an app I highly recommend on on your phones, on your devices. Uh, it's called the YouVersion app, and it's a Bible. It's a Bible app, and you're welcome to get on there, and you can friend me, your pastor, on the YouVersion app. And on the YouVersion app, you can look up. In fact, let me just bring it up for you. So you can bring up different plans for the year. Maybe you're like, man, reading the Bible in a year sounds kind of intimidating. Well, what if you read the Bible in five years and you just kind of kept consistent with it and it was really easy? You can do that. Um, there's this great thing. So you guys can see um, it gives you, oh, see, 29 missed days on this plan. Say, Pastor, 29 missed days. But there's this really cool button I want to show you. This is God's grace in motion. It's called Catch Me Up. Shift dates forward. Oh, hey, I'm on time again. See what I'm saying? There's grace. Just get into God's Word. It doesn't have to be legalistic. You might miss a few days. But get in God's Word so that you can hear His counsel for your life, so you can hear the truths that you need to hold on to in hard times. Because the Word of God will never return void. But if you're not putting the Word of God into your heart, then you can be swayed so easily by the flesh and by the world. So, and you can befriend me. Clinton and I are now version buddies. He, he befriended me last night. I thought it was really kind of fun. So uh, I'm expecting you guys friend me on version. Let's share what we're reading in Scripture. Write down your notes. You can actually share that with one another. Scriptures. Start in the Scriptures. As we've said before, if you want to just pick a book of the Bible and just start there and try to get through that, maybe it's even a really short one. The next one. So that's Scripture. Oh, observation. Observation. I want to put in observation slash reflection here. 
This is a really important aspect of reading Scripture, that you don't just read really good stories. And you don't just make them like a, a novel or a romance novel. It's not a very good romance novel. Well, some of them are pretty good romance novels, Song of Songs and that kind of thing. But, but the Scriptures need to be reflected upon, and you need to ask the question, how does this apply to, how does this, where do I see these truths today? Where do I see God working today? How do these truths apply to my life today? I think oftentimes, this is why many de deconstruct their faith, is because they learned all the really good stories in the Bible, and they know about Moses and the Exodus, but they have no idea how it applies to their relationship and walk with God today. We need to be people who observe the truths of God. Are you looking for the truths of God and how they are at work in the world today? One of the easy ones is the heart of man is deceitful above all else and desperately wicked. That's a truth in Scripture, yes. Can we see that happening today? Not just out there, but in here. Can we see that today in us? Yeah, that's a Scripture that applies. and It's, obvious, it's an obvious truth in our day-to-day -day life. So we need to observe. We need to reflect. We don't want to just, how many of you have read uh, like a full chapter or a full uh, page of Scripture, and you get to the bottom of it, and you go, I have no idea what I just read. Okay, I do that too. Don't panic. Just go back up to the top. Take it slower. Take it slower. And ask yourself, am I really, because you don't want to be boxing air, right? Paul says, don't just box air. You don't want to just read scripture so you can get to the end of it and say, yes, I've read the whole Bible. I have no idea what any of it means. But you want to be people who say, man, I want to understand. I want to hear from God. Instead of me like the drums, I don't want to just play whatever it is I think it means. I want to hear from the voice of God for what he intended for me to hear. Because I'm really good at lying to myself. Now, let's be honest. All of us are. And so that's where many men have taken the Bible and twisted it into their own fleshly desires and taken those truths to mean something that they were not intended to mean. So observation, reflection, and then application. We talked about this. You can know your Bible really well. The Pharisees were like this in Jesus' time. They knew the Bible better than anybody else. But who did they miss? Jesus, the Messiah. You're crazy if you don't think you and I are capable of missing the same type of truth. They were just as smart as we are. We don't want to miss those things. And so there's a sense that we, we want to be applying the Word of God. Ask intentionally, how can I apply this Scripture in my life this week, today? How do I walk in this? And then lastly, it ends with prayer. Application. Oh, let me go back to application just really quick before we move on from application. Application for me, Becky and I, we... First four years of our marriage, we just kind of shot from the hip, and we did whatever we played. We had fun, but we were found ourselves just constantly busy and not having time for the Lord, and this was before we had four kids, and so there was a sense that we needed to sit down and apply and put in our calendar. Where were we going to encounter God? How are we doing? Do you sit down with your family every week? Men, set this precedent in your families. Do you sit down with your family every week and say, how are we doing with Christ? What is he teaching? What is he saying to us as a family? Men, lead your families in that discussion. Husbands, lead your, your, your marriage in those discussions. Do you check in? Honey, how are you doing with the Lord right now? I hope you're having those conversations. 
If you're single, if you're, uh, you know, you're living on your own, do you have a, a cup of coffee with guys every week where they're going to sit down and ask you, how are you doing with the Lord? This would be intentional, making sure how are we applying the Word of God as men, as, as women, as teens? Are you meeting with one another on a consistent basis so that you can? But you have to calendar that, don't you? You have to plan for that. It can't be just the leftovers of your time. It has to be the priority. If you want to have rhythms with God, you got to do it intentionally. Make sure that God is in your calendar. Is God in your calendar? That is application. Plan ahead. Plan. If you haven't read all of the Word of God, set a plan and stick to it. You'll be surprised at how God meets you there and how just maybe even if you don't like reading. And by the way, you don't have to just read. We have uh, the version will read it out loud to you. Anybody struggle reading, that's fine. You press that little play button, and it'll start reading in almost any version out loud if you have a Wi-Fi connection. You can hear the Word of God. And we know the Bible says that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So prayer, let's be honest. We're all going to fail. Anybody set those New Year's resolutions that don't last? That's why I don't call them resolutions. I call them rhythms. There's God's grace in that, but we know that, and we need to be reminded that where we fail, who's in charge? Where is our comfort? Jesus is the one who will empower us. And when we fail, we don't need to throw a pity party, but let's pray and remind ourselves, oh, Lord, you are the one who can empower me, who can give me a heart of joy for your word. You are the one who can drag me to church even when I don't want to. Lord Jesus, would you do the things that are impossible in me? We do this thing with my kids. It's, it's called uh, change your heart. Have you talked to God about changing your heart? Do you talk to God about changing your heart? Do that in prayer as you practice these rhythms. And by the way, we're going to be practicing rhythms. It's our goal as a church. We're trying to get better. We mess up. We're not always the most consistent as a church, but we're trying. We want to get small groups as a rhythm where we have 100% attendance, where every one of you have intimate and good connections with other family members in the church. We want to see small groups become a rhythm. We want to see our midweek worship on Wednesday when we get together and the kids sing and dance and we sing together uh, the, the praises of the Lord. Our midweek worship is a rhythm. Our Sundays together, it's not a wasted time. We're not just beating the air. We're here together for a purpose. Amen. Other rhythms that we want to see, many of you may be seated in the bulletin, but we're going to be practicing communion as a rhythm every first of the month. And then we're going to be doing financial updates because we want to get together and do business as a family. And that's going to be on the second Sunday of the month. And on the third Sunday of the month, we're going to be doing small group check-ins for leaders. And we want to, we want to be um, all marching as small groups in the direction of Christ in unity, don't we? So we're going to be meeting with small group leaders on that third Sunday and then family or sorry, our family chores Sunday. And as you see those pop up, we want to be doing chores together because the family that does dishes together is an unbreakable family. The dishes will break, but that's an unbreakable family. And we want to invite you all to do the dishes with us because you're invited into the kitchen to do this life with us as a church. We want to be a church of those types of rhythms. Our different teams, our different teams are going to be meeting more consistently. And as Dakota has been a good advocate for this, did you guys know you're invited to every committee meeting, every elder meeting? You're welcome to come and see what we're praying about, what we're talking about. 
What are the, the challenges facing us? And we're going to have those rhythms published for you so you can come to an elder meeting and say, hey, did you guys see where God's moving over here? Our building team is making changes on the building, and we're going to have rhythms where we want to get together and make sure that we're being good stewards and making sure that this building is serving the kingdom good and not just sitting as a building. We are in the process of trying to create a missions team, a team that would oversee our relationship with our missionaries and, and would be able to stay in contact and even guide the process of, for how First Baptist is going to be reaching Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. And we want you to be a part of that team if, if God has gifted you and given you that wisdom. We have women's ministry team that's going to have rhythms. And we have a men's ministry team that's going to have rhythms. There's a lot to get involved in here. Now, you're going to have to say no to some of it so that you can say yes to the things that God has called you to. But make sure you don't say no to the things that God has called you to. <laughs> so, would you wash with soap? Would you wash with soap? Um, I just want to give you a, a couple of those guidelines as we move into this next year together. I'm going to ask our elders to come up uh, and go into a time of giving. As you do, would you just close your eyes, bow your heads? Would you respond? Would you do business with God this morning? Would you talk to him and ask him what he would do to set your schedule this year? What does he want from your time this year? Just spend a minute asking him what he would do with your calendar. And as Jennifer plays, the elders will go out. And the other thing to ask is, what would God do with your resources? That's why Christians give. We don't give just so the church can have a lot of money, but we give because that trains our heart. It trains our heart to say that the money is not an idol. It's not something we can't let go of. We give it so that it doesn't control us. And we recognize as God's people that everything belongs to the Lord. and sisters, I'll be, I'll be down here. If you need some coaching, if you need somebody to give you some ideas on how you can be more intentional with your calendar this year, would you come talk to me? I've struggled with it, so I've had to be really intentional in what I do and how I plan. And, and uh, so I, I just want you to invite you to come if you need some advice uh, on, on what it looks like, some different ideas and tools that uh, I'd love to share with you about how to give your calendar and your time this year to the Lord. If you're here and you're not a believer, you're here and you haven't professed faith in Jesus, you've kind of done the Christian thing or you've allowed other people to be the ones who carry the load for your relationship with Jesus, would you come talk to me? I want to share the gospel with you and how it applies to you. It changes our lives, doesn't it, brothers and sisters? It changes how we live and why we live and what we do. If you're here and you're wondering about what that looks like for you, would you come talk to me? I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to send you out in the name of Jesus. Lord, we know you've been here this whole time. God, I do pray maybe against the spirit of anxiety, that, that oh, call it calendar anxiety, Lord. We just want to give our schedules, our calendars to you because you're worthy. 
And God, because we know where else would we go to find fuller satisfaction than to you? God, where else would we go to lay up treasures for ourselves in heaven? There is nowhere else. We could only go to you to find you as the greatest gift of all. And so, Lord, I just pray that, that we as a church would find ourselves running to you in everything that we do this year. As a church, as we look at mission and vision and why we exist as a church, Lord, we just want to sit at, your, at the, the foot of your throne looking for your guidance. We pray that you would give our leadership and our elders wisdom for how to move forward as a church, Lord, and us as individuals. I pray for every person here, God, that they would be able to find their gifting and find out how they can get involved in this faith family and this thing that you're doing here with us, Lord. We just pray that for everyone here this morning. And it's in your great and holy name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, you are dismissed. Now go and give Jesus your calendar and see what he does with it. Thank you.